0: this evening we're going to be in the book of james continuing our study through the letter of james we're going to be in chapter 3 james chapter 3 so if you have your bible or your phone i would encourage you to turn there be in chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 i'm going to read them here to start james 3 1 through 12 Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a God who speaks to us. Lord, you have not left us without a witness, but you have revealed yourself to us. And so we thank you, Lord. And as we look at James 3, I pray that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word. You would incline our hearts to your statutes, Lord, and not to foolish gain. Unite our divided hearts to fear your name, God, and satisfy us with your steadfast love we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So in 2021, we live in a period of human history where the communication channels, so the ability to communicate with your tongue or metaphorically with your fingers, the ability to communicate is about as multitude as ever. Right? We can jump on Instagram and Immediately, from wherever we are, we can be sitting in Carrefour's parking lot, we can jump on Instagram and tell the world what we think about something that just happened to us, right? We can post on Facebook or on Twitter for hundreds, even some of you guys, maybe thousands of people to see your words, the things that you say with your fingers. We have WhatsApp messages and emails that are received instantaneously. We can even tell. To get the two blue checks. You know, oh, that person has seen my words. And we haven't even mentioned the actual speaking one-on-one that we can do through either our, our phones, which are a miracle that these things exist, or through Zoom. As modern technology, modern society develops, words and the ability to speak words has multitude. We have so many opportunities. And in one sense, This is an incredible blessing, an incredible blessing. This last week, I spoke in real time to my parents who live on the other side of the world, not once, but twice. I could call my parents right now and talk to my dad on the phone. That's amazing that we can do that. I mean, can you imagine the pandemic without modern technology to communicate words? No Zoom no Microsoft Teams, no WhatsApp, no virtual teaching. It's an amazing blessing to have so many ways to communicate, but it's also an incredible danger as well. And the reason for this is because it's opened up even more ways that we can hurt people, that we can lie to people, that we can mislead people, that we can deceive people with our speech. We can send passive-aggressive WhatsApps. We can send angry emails. We can have social media trolls. Increased communication channels lead to increased opportunities for sin. And James 3 gives us that reason. No human being can tame the tongue. No human being can bring their tongue into complete submission. We humans, we can send people to outer space. We we, we can build cities literally in the desert. We have air conditioning that lets us live in a line in July. And yet none of us has been able to not sin with our words. As Proverbs 10 puts it, where words are many transgression is not lacking. More words and more avenues for words means more opportunities for sin. In James 3, what we just read, James speaks about the tongue. When he's talking about the tongue, he's talking about the things that we say. James has already said a number of things about speech earlier as we've been walking through this letter. In chapter 1, he calls us to be slow to speak and quick to listen, to be self-controlled with our tongues. In James chapter 2, Hanny showed us last week, he addresses the issue of those who say with their mouths true things and yet deny it with their lives. And in this chapter, James puts the spotlight right on the tongue. He's going to focus. So he said things about speech in passing. Now he's bringing it into the center of the room for everyone to see. And what we're going to see is that our speech, the things that we say, reveals who we are. To see this, we're going to look at three points as we walk through this section. The danger of the tongue, the power of the tongue, and taming the tongue. The danger of the tongue, the power of the tongue, and taming the tongue. So first, let's look at the danger of the tongue. James begins this section with first a word to teachers. Not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach— Will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James warns the church about being too eager to get into the spotlight and to be able to stand up and say things for everyone to hear. Be careful, church, to be too eager to assume the role of a teacher. Teachers would have been primarily elders in the church, though it could have been others as well. And he's addressing teachers here for a reason. Teachers serve as examples of those who use their tongue in the body most. So, right now, not many of you are talking, and I'm talking a lot. A typical sermon for me is between 3,000 and 4,000 words. I will give this sermon twice, once tonight and once tomorrow morning on Zoom, so that means I am at least communicating in a very public way 6,000 words for people to hear. Now you factor in Bible studies, counseling sessions, pastoral emails and WhatsApps, discipleship meetings, and I will speak literally thousands and thousands of words in a public setting for people to hear. And that's a sobering warning for me right now as I'm using my mouth. That's a sobering warning because of what James says. We who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why is this the case? Well, presumably because those who teach, those who use their words a lot, will have a lot of opportunities to sin with their tongue. If no human being can tame the tongue, those who use their words a lot are in a dangerous place. We can either say things that are false, that are not true. We can either use our tongue to be abusive or to hurt someone or to get power over someone. Or we can be hypocrites, not practicing with our lives what we preach with our mouths. As Doug Moo, a commentator, put it, teachers' constant use of the tongue means they can sin very easily leading others astray at the same time. The more someone uses his tongue, the more opportunities there are for him to sin. And James assumes that we will sin to some degree. Look at verse 2. See that? For we all stumble in many ways. I can't tell you, I was, I was reflecting on this passage this week, I can't tell you what an encouragement it is that James writes that. Right? James This is the brother of Jesus Christ. This is the pastor of the largest church probably in the world at this time, the church of Jerusalem, and he includes himself. (laughs) He's like, me too, guys. We all stumble in many ways. Like all human beings, teachers, James included, are sinners, and that means that it is a dangerous position to be in. Now, James begins with teachers, but he doesn't He's not only talking about teachers here. He's using teachers to illustrate a principle that applies to every single one of us. He moves from teachers to talking about all people. We all stumble in many ways. Those in the pulpit and those in the pew. Those on the stage and those in the seats. What this means is the tongue is a danger to us all. There are a few reasons for this. One is that the tongue condemns us. It's dangerous because it condemns us. The word judge, you see it there, we teach teach will be judged, could be translated condemned. To condemn means to be shown to be guilty. It means to be shown to be guilty and then given a sentence, a punishment, appropriate. And the Bible is very clear that every one of us will have to give an account to God for what we say with our mouths. We will be judged by our words. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 12. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. There's coming a day of judgment. And human beings, every one of us in this room and in this city, are accountable for what we say. For the words that we speak, we are accountable before God. God has revealed himself through creation, and God has revealed himself through his word and to our consciences, and God is a judge. And being a just judge, he does not allow for sin to go unnoticed. A just judge must punish sin appropriately. And Jesus says in Matthew 12 that one area that we are accountable to God for— is our tongues. You may think that words are a small thing. Oh, it was, it was just a word. I was just angry when I said that. I, I didn't mean it. You may think that words are just a small thing, but the Bible doesn't, and God doesn't. Words are very serious. Words communicate our thoughts and our hearts. Words communicate our being. We know each other through the words that we say, Words can be used to build up. Words can be used to tear down. How many of us have uttered a passing comment to somebody just hoping that it would ruin their day? Or how many of us have laid in bed at night replaying a conversation in our head that we wish would have gone better because of what someone said to us or what we didn't say? Words have power. Words can be used to lead people to worship God. Words can be used to lead people to worship false gods. God reveals himself through the word. Jesus is the word. God creates the universe through the word. Words matter to God. And our words have the power to condemn us. They do this because they show our imperfection, our imperfection, our our lacking. We are not perfect people. They show that we don't measure up according to the perfect standard of God's law. And that's true of all of us. Look at verse 7. Every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. Not one of us Not one of us tames, not one of us controls, not one of us domesticates our tongues perfectly. We all all sin with our words. We sin with what we say. We say mean things. We say hurtful things. We say deceitful things. We say half-truths and falsities. And we show our imperfection and open ourselves up to condemnation. But the tongue is not just dangerous because it condemns us, it also is dangerous because it destroys us or can destroy us. Just listen to the strong language that James uses when he talks about the tongue. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Our tongues are fire. And they have the ability to set our entire bodies on fire. Do you know what a pilot light is? It may not because the UAE is very hot and we don't have furnaces. But a pilot light is a little flame in your furnace or in your water heater or in your fireplace that keeps going at all times. So it's just a teeny tiny little flame. Sometimes you can see it, you can kind of get down on the ground, you see this little blue flame that's going, gives off no heat whatsoever. The purpose of a pilot light is that it burns at all times so that when you turn the knob and all of a sudden you flood an area with gas for the bigger burner, that little pilot light creates an explosion. And that little light, that teeny little light, can create an explosion hot enough to heat an entire house. Our tongues, James says, are like little pilot lights that we carry around at all times. They're little fires in our mouths. Sometimes you can't even see it. You might not think it's even burning. But then all of a sudden, you introduce the gas of anger. You feel angry. You introduce a little bit of anger to that pilot light, and boom! You get an explosion of wrath and curses or with your tongue it's burning there and you introduce the the fuel of fear of man you're concerned about what other people are going to say you didn't follow through when you said that you were going to follow through and fear of man is there and what do you do you lie you deceit or you introduce pride And that little fire all of a sudden explodes in boasts of arrogance. When the pilot light of our tongue meets the indwelling sin that every one of us carries around, we get an explosion that consumes our entire bodies with the fire of hell. And it doesn't just stick to ourselves. Our our tongue can destroy other people. There's a saying in my home country, I don't know how common it is, little kids will say it, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is not true at all. As you get older, you realize, man, I would rather take a stick than take a harsh word. Because that stick is going to hurt for a moment and my body will heal. But I will carry that barb with me for the rest of my life sometimes. James describes the tongue as full of deadly poison. Our words can be poisonous barbs that we shoot at people to tear them down. We can tear down a person's reputation in an instant with our words. We slander them. We say something not true. We gossip about them. We ask our friend, hey, did you hear what that person said to me? Boom. Reputation destroyed. Our words can lead to emotional distress. Our words can ruin relationships. How many marriages have fallen apart Because of words. Our words can destroy. Brothers and sisters, our our tongues are dangerous. We must never take our words lightly. That's what James is trying to get us to see. We are playing with fire every time that we speak. That's the first point the danger of the tongue. Let's look at the next point the power of the tongue. One of the main things that James wants us to see is that this little tiny object in our body is incredibly powerful it boasts of great things. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. We've already seen a couple of things that the c- tongue can do. There's two more that we're going to look at, though. That The tongue has the power to direct, and the tongue has the power to reveal. According to James, those who control their tongues, who direct their tongues, can control their whole bodies. And he uses two illustrations to show this. If we put put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. You know what a bit is? A bit is a piece of metal you put in a horse's mouth. It's a tiny little thing, but with it you can steer this massive animal. You put this little bit and you can guide the whole body of the horse. Or look at ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. If, you, if you've been on Dubai Creek, you've seen the Abra driver there with his hand on the rudder, and he can steer that ship with that little tiny rudder. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James says that our tongues is like these things. If you control your tongue, then you control the entire direction of your life. And we saw the reason for this in James 1, if you recall. James 1 calls us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, and he holds up speech as a demonstration of our self-control. If we're quick to hear, if we're slow to speak, then because we're self-controlled in those ways, we will also be slow to anger. What James is saying here is that those who control their speech, like a bit in the mouth of a horse or a rudder on a boat, will also be able to steer their lives. But the tongue does more than simply direct. The tongue also reveals. It shows things. The way we use our tongue shows the sort of person that we are. Our words reveal the way that we view God. Whether we are truly worshiping God or whether we're only professing to worship, only saying to worship God. I lost the PowerPoint, but look at verse 8. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So you have this tongue, and and with our tongue, we can say, Praise God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that was within me. Bless his holy name. And with our tongue, we can say, Curse you to those who are made in God's image. This is the double-mindedness that James has been getting after for the entire time, right? So you can say one thing with your mouth and it doesn't matter because when you live in a certain way, you curse those people who are made in God's image and likeness. You show that you don't actually believe in God. You don't actually love God. 1 John 4 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother— he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. No one has seen God, but you see God's likeness all around you. Human beings are made in the image of God, and if you curse those which you can see, then it shows that you're a liar if you say you love God. You don't actually love God. The way you use your tongue shows what you think about God. In this way, our tongues reveal what we're made of. Let's see if this works here. Look at verse 9. With it, with our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Our tongues don't create who we are, our tongues reveal who we are. Salt ponds produce salt water. You don't grab a bit of water from the ocean and all of a sudden have fresh water. A salty ocean, a salty pond will produce salt water. Fresh springs will produce fresh water. Fig trees will produce figs. And double-minded people will produce venomous speech. Our tongues reveal who we are. Our words tell us about who we are. And according to James, this is bad news. <laughs> this is really bad news. That's one of the reasons why I write so strongly about it. We have this untamed beast. We have this poisonous member. We have this deadly fire carrying her with us at all times. And it says things about us. It tells the world who we are. And if we reflect on our speech for just even a moment, we have every reason to be concerned. Because not one of us today has gone without sinning with our mouths. Remember what we said earlier. We are all accountable to God for the words that we say. And every one of us deserves to be condemned. Every one of us falls before God. Paul writes about this in Romans 3, drawing from Psalm 140 and Psalm 141. He's quoting the Old Testament here, and listen to what he says. He says, No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not one. Do you think you've done good? No, you haven't. No one has. And then listen to what Paul says. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive The venom of asps, of snakes, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The way humanity speaks, in part, leads Paul to say, No one is righteous. Look at their words, look at what they say, look at how they speak. So what do we do with that? Is it possible for us to tame our tongues? (laughs) Are we just supposed to fall down and zip up our mouths and never say a word again? This is the final point that we're going to be looking at, taming the tongue. The reality is, as human beings, we can't tame our tongues on our own because we can't tame our hearts Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and we can't control our hearts. We can look back at all the foolish and harsh words that we may have said. We can get and reflect upon the fight that we just had with our friend and think, oh, stupid, why did I say that? I wish I wouldn't have said that. We apologize, and they bring something up, and boom, we're at it right again. We can send WhatsApps and feel guilty and feel bad about it and wish to do better, and we will fall and fail over and over again. We will lie, curse, and hurt our brothers and our sisters. Our God demands perfection, and we don't measure up. Even the most holy among us is undone in the presence of God. This past week, I was looking at this passage in our staff meeting with Hanny and Sonny, and Hanny pointed out that this passage reminds him of Isaiah 6. And I think he's exactly right. In Isaiah 6, we have the prophet Isaiah, Old Testament prophet Isaiah, standing before the holy God. Isaiah was God's own prophet, set apart to speak God's word. He ministered with his tongue on God's behalf. Isaiah spoke and kings trembled. Isaiah wrote and spoke And promises of God were heard. Threats and warnings were received. He was an ambassador on behalf of the Holy One of Israel. If there was ever anyone who would be able to boast in their tongue, it was Isaiah. If anyone could say, I have speech that is right, it would be Isaiah. And yet even God's prophet— could not stand before God on his own strength. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, this is Isaiah writing, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Isaiah sees God. And one seraphim called to another and said, "'Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory.' And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. The house was filled with smoke. And I said, "'Woe is me!' Why? For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips.' For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees the Lord of angel armies on his throne, and he is ruined. He is undone. This prophet who has spoken God's word immediately recognizes I have sinned with my mouth. My lips are uncleaned before this holy God. I am accountable for what I say, and I do not stand up. He recognizes that he deserves judgment. He has seen holiness and purity of God, and he knows that he deserves to die. No one is righteous, not even Isaiah. Does Isaiah die, though? No. Isaiah does not die. But he does not die because he has cleaned up his tongue. Isaiah lives... Because God cleanses his speech through the blood of the sacrifice. One of the seraphim, one of these angels, flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that was taken from the tongs, with tongs from the altar. This is where the animal would be killed before God and its carcass would be burned. This burning coal taken from the altar, the sacrifice comes and he touches my mouth. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Isaiah's tongue is tamed by God through the blood-soaked coal of the altar. This burning coal comes from the altar of the sacrifice where an animal died for Isaiah's sin. And it comes and it touches his lips. His sin is atoned for. He is made clean, not by his own strength, but by the grace of God. And then he is sent out by God to use his tongue faithfully to give grace to those who hear. James says that the man who is able to tame his tongue is a perfect man, able to control his whole body. There's only been one person who has done this. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Unlike Isaiah, Jesus can stand before the presence of the Father and not be undone. Jesus can stand before the presence of the Father and say, my hands clean, my lips pure, my speech righteous. He stands on his own two feet Perfect. Our status is imperfect. We're with Isaiah. Jesus, perfect. And yet, Jesus lays down his life. He is the sacrifice, he sheds his own blood so that those who have sinned with their mouths and sinned with every part of our being can be forgiven of their sins and can stand with the status of Christ, righteous, pure, perfect, before the Father and not be consumed. But like we read earlier in Psalm 100, we can come into the courts of God with thanksgiving, Not because we've done great this last week, but because Christ's status is ours. He is perfect, and we have his perfect status. The burning coal that tames our tongue is soaked with the blood of Christ. We cannot tame our tongues on our own, but through Jesus and through the Spirit of God, we can begin to sound more like Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that includes our tongues. We've had our sins forgiven. And by the blood of Jesus, we can be empowered to speak his words. And so we strive. Imperfectly, yes, but we strive as Christians to speak life-giving words. And we pray for God's help. What God requires, God provides by his grace. And so we pray. We pray with the psalmist. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. God, I I can't make my mouth acceptable. Would you? We pray again, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, I'm tempted to respond to this WhatsApp I'm tempted to take this out on my spouse. I'm tempted to be harsh with my children. Lord, would you set a guard over my mouth? Would you keep watch over the door of my lips? Lord, don't let my heart incline to evil. And because of Christ, God loves to answer those prayers. Jesus prays for us when we pray that way. There has probably never been a time in human history when it's easier to sin with our speech, (laughs) which means that there's never been a time in human history when we need Jesus more. And yet what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is sufficient for us today. He continues to pray for his church. His blood speaks a better word for us because of Jesus, we don't need to fear the judgment of God, but we can rely on God's Spirit and God's grace to speak pure words. May God grant us this grace. May God help us this week as we pursue purity of speech to give life to those who hear. Lord God, we do praise you. We praise you, Jesus, that you are the one who purchases Pure tongues for us. And Jesus, we pray, we pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us for the ways that we have sinned with our lips. Forgive us for the ways that we have taken out our anger on others or lied. And thank you, Jesus, that you accept us for all who would turn to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.